This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 248 of the Stable Scoop Radio Show. Football, fishing, and flow charts. Please support our sponsors as they make this show possible. Our sponsors this week are Kentucky Performance Products at KentuckyPerformanceProducts.com and Horse Quencher. You can find them at HorseQuencher.com. Welcome to the Stable Scoop, with weekly shows delivered right to you. With Helena and Glenn the Geek, live from the stable, it's every week. They'll bring you the news through hell, high water, while using their tails as their own fly swatters. So sit on down and laugh till your poop, cause it's time again for Stable Scoop. Stable Scoop. Stable Scoop. This is Glenda Geek. And this is Helena B. And you're listening to the Stable Scoop Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network. Well, howdy, Helena. Howdy, Glenn. How are you? Good. We have a fantastic show planned for today with a lot of terrific guests. Uh, we're you know, we going to be talking to Jody Werner today of the Dear Murray fame, and she's back here every month talking about one of Dear Murray's columns. One and of our favorites. We have another Jody coming on with something a little different today. She is Jody Kelly, who's a dressage professional out of Destin, Florida. And we're going to talk to her about life outside the horses because uh, because of the way she grew up, she has an interesting life. And she wants to tell us a little bit about that. And then also Dr. Renee Tucker with a book that Helene and I both really like called Where Does My Horse Hurt? We're going to talk to her about that book. So we got a a jam-packed full show. But before we get to that, um, I just wanted to, to, well, there's two things we wanted to chat about. Uh, I'll, I'll do mine quick. And I wanted to thank everybody for the comments and for the emails and for the Facebook posts. We, we got more response to last week's show about Lyme disease in people. It was heartwarming the thing the the people that uh, contacted us and and wrote to us. I, I had people saying that I didn't understand what my family was going through and or what my sister or my brother was going through, and I feel really bad. I'm going to talk to them about it. And I had people that have had Lyme for years, and it just helped it helped validate what they were going through and still going through, and that they're not nuts, you know. Um, and it just it was. We had 10, what I, what did I tell you, six or eight times the normal downloads for that show yeah. that we normally yep. do. Um, so, it, you know, a lot of people listened and took it to heart, and, and I really appreciate all the support and all the thank yous for putting it out there. And, uh, and I want to let you know, Helena, that I have, thanks to last week's show and the guests we had on, I have gone back on the diet. Ugh. Good on the, on the Lyme diet started that day. Actually, uh, I went ahead and told Jennifer, who's been trying to get me to do it for a while now again, and I said, "Well, this show did it. My guest did it, so I'm going to do it." And and uh, and I have been for the last week. So today, I'm, I, one of the things you have to do is get off of sugar and carb, a lot of carbohydrate stuff. And I'm in a, my, after about five days now. I'm sugar crashing, and I, I remember this from before. You sugar crash. You just you don't have any energy, and it's like, oh man, why did I do this? Yeah, <laughs> it's it's hard, but it's you know you got to do it, and, and it's just, it's like quitting anything. You just gotta 
You have to get through the withdrawal symptoms. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. true. You do have them. I mean, with sugar, it's you just have a couple days of feeling with like no energy. Yep. Yeah. But uh, so I am doing it. Uh, just wanted Good. to let you know that. All right. Well, all your fans are behind you. We're supporting you. Thank you. And I'm going to go have some cake for lunch. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. I appreciate that, Alina. <laughs> uh, so anyway, I also, you had some bad news last week that kind of surprised me because we had not talked about it. We have not talked about it. And I wouldn't say it was bad news, but it was a challenging week. Um, I had to euthanize my quarter horse last Friday, um, which was planned. Zeke. And Zeke has been my reason for being since he and I first met um, almost eight years ago. Um, you you know, and my wife went and got that horse together, didn't you? We did, yes. In we Pennsylvania. Did. Yeah. In Pennsylvania. And um, he, I can't even begin to, everybody knows, anybody who's had one of these horses knows exactly what they mean to your life. They become essentially your higher education. They teach you about not only horsemanship and riding, but they teach you about humility and perseverance and responsibility and care and all of those things that just make us better human beings. Zeke was absolutely one million percent one of those creatures. And um, he was in a lot of pain for a long time. And I spent a lot of energy and a lot of money um, keeping him comfortable. And so my goal you know, with having him at home, even just in the last three years, was to make sure that he was comfortably pasture sound. And the blizzards that we went through this winter were really tough on all of us, but especially on Zeke. And I knew coming out of the winter that this would probably be his last year. And really just in the last couple of weeks, he it was very, very difficult for him to even move around despite, you know, the drugs he was on and so forth. Um, we He couldn't even have his feet trimmed comfortably. So... I knew it was time, and um, I contacted my vet. My favorite, favorite, favorite vet came out, and last Friday was the most beautiful spring day. I mean, it was stunning, and I was fortunate enough to be able to put him down in a very comfortable, safe spot. He was absolutely not stressed. He had no idea anything was going to be different about his day than any other day. Uh, except that he got a little extra sugary grass. Um, and he's buried right here in the property. So we can we can all sort of stay together and, you know, we could see his spirit off safely. And he's free from pain. So I have to say that while I miss him terribly, there's a great relief in knowing that he's free from the pain that he, he was in for a long time. Right. You know, obviously, you did the right thing. It's, it's it doesn't make it any easier a lot of times. Oh God, no! Oh no! I trust me. I was a a sobbing, blubbering mess for quite a while, but I know he's he's thanked me. He's thanked me many times, and he's still thanking me. Well, and, and you know, uh, you you had a lot of good years together too. So um, on a on a horse that was just supposed to help you get around a little bit, you know, yeah, turned into yeah. one of your lifetime horses, which. You know, I remember when you bought that horse, it was just, I need something to ride that's not going to kill me. Yeah, that was it. He's just a camp <laughs> horse. Listen, right. just a camp horse. He was yeah. a camp horse who'd been, you know, probably run ragged. He had a whole lifetime before I got him, and he was he was already kind of broken. And, of course, I didn't, I don't ride my horses hard. Um, 
So he, he'd already come to me with a been there, done that kind of attitude and body to go with it. But we took great care of each other. Well, he was lucky to have you, too. I mean, that's the other Thank side of that story. Cause, Thank you. You, know, you took care of him better than, than he would have had where, <laughs> if he had stayed in Pennsylvania where he was. You're, so. you're, not, you're not kidding. <laughs> it takes me like 10 minutes to do my barn now. I feel so bad. I feel guilty for being like, wow, this is easy. <laughs> <laughs> it is amazing how when you reduce the population, how much easier it does get. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, our best uh, to you and uh, big hugs. Thank you. We've thank all you been very through much. it, so thank you for sharing that with everybody. Sure. We've all been down that road. Well, let's head off now to Jody Werner of Dear Murray fame with her monthly stop here with one of Dear Murray's articles. Well, hi, Jody. Welcome back to the show. Well, good morning, Glenn and Helena. Good to be here. Well, it's good to have you. Now, we always start off this segment with you reading one of Dear Murray's columns that he answered. So I think we'll do that the same way again today. Okay. Do you want to read the letter and I'll read his reply? No, I'd like you to read it. Okay. You read it. It's You're always lazy more fun today. when you read it. You're really lazy today. I am. <laughs> it's, it's, he, he's off of sugar, Jody, so. Yeah, oh, okay, so, I see. Yeah, no energy. Yeah, we got to baby him a little bit. Well, will you just sit back there and leave it to me? Okay. Dear Murray... My girl likes to jump me. I like it, too. But this guy she brings to the stable always puts it down and says that he plays a real sport called football. What's the difference between riding and football? And it's signed, Dist. And Murray's reply is, Dear Dist, let's see. Your girl sits six feet in the air on a galloping animal that's hurling itself at obstacles and is being judged on staying in perfect sync with a 1,200-pound teammate that's 10 times her size and can at any time choose to hurl her into next week. <laughs> he chases a little bitty ball around. Aw, don't you just want to pinch his cheeks and tell him how cute that is? <laughs> simple. I, yeah. Very we'll simple. for effect here. Yeah. You do. You do have to pause after that one and go... Wow, never thought about it quite that way before. <laughs> I found myself unexpectedly in next week as well. Oh, hey, what do I do here? It's Thursday. I've been told that riding isn't a sport and that, quote-unquote, the horse does all the work. And, yes. and as we used to say in Oklahoma, them's feuding words. <laughs> and not only that, uh, you know, you, you did end up in next week, Helena, but that next week cost you a year. Uh, yeah. Oh, my yeah. Yeah. It would, maybe I could get like launched into the future at some point. <laughs> would that well, be better? Would I would I look younger? Or the past? Maybe we should. Uh, I don't know. I don't know which direction it's better to go. <laughs> I know. I, I, I am acquainted with with a former extremely famous pro football player who actually rode the hunter jumper show circuit for quite a while after his football career wrapped up, and he did say that. Uh, Riding was much harder than playing football, but in deference to all the football fans out there, he also said that he much preferred falling off his horse, which he did a lot, bless his cotton socks. He much <laughs> preferred falling off his horse to getting sacked by a bunch of 300-pound linebackers. Yeah, I can see that. You know, it mustn't be much fun when you're in the bottom of that pile every time. I mean, mm -hmm. it's... <laughs> yeah, but you, you know what? I wouldn't have a problem falling off my horse if I was geared up like those pro ball players. <laughs> Shoulder pads, you're, mouth you're guard, face mask, you know. Yeah, what do we wear? A helmet? <clears throat> right. 
Although I guess the eventing people pad themselves up a little more than we do. They wear the. I'll tell you, those those uh, inflatable that. vests have saved a lot of injuries now. Um, they really have. Well, this is this is this is definitely a fun one. Now you said this one kind of went viral, huh? Yeah, I, I posted it and it it, it got like seven or eight hundred shares in the first thirty minutes. So apparently, this is <laughs> this is a subject that's near and dear to the hearts of many horse owners. No, it's near and dear to the hearts of horse girls who went and took this, printed it off, and showed their boyfriends and their horse husbands and said, here, shut up about it. That's exactly what happened, right? Well, sometimes the cure for horses aren't a sport and the horse does all work is to just make someone post the trot without stirrups for just like 30 seconds, and then that (laughs) sort of just settles the whole argument once and for all. You've never done that to anybody, have you, Alina? Who, me? Never. I, I put an ex of mine on my horse one time after he begged and 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 he begged. I said, okay, okay, you can ride him. And, and he walked around for, oh, maybe five or six minutes. And he begged and he begged and he begged. And I said, okay, okay, you can trot. He wanted to gallop, of course. So I said, why don't we start with the trot, just a trot. And I swear Murray trotted two steps, and it was like a cartoon. The guy just, like, he just toppled off the side of him as soon as Murray started to trot. <laughs> and you laughed, didn't you? I, you could not laugh. You could not not laugh. And, and Murray, of course, just stood like a statue, and he was looking at me like, "What did I do? Am I in trouble?" I'm like, "No, Murray, you're not in trouble. Good boy, just stand there." Matter of fact, Murray, we're going to put him back on. Do it again. <laughs> it was kind of comical. I mean, it was a perfect slapstick comedy moment with just two shot steps, and he just kind of. <laughs> that is funny. <laughs> The sound effects are spot on. Yes. <laughs> Those were not yes, added I think, digitally. I think we've all been told that the horse does all the work at one point in another. Oh, yeah. Career, so. mm. Oh, yeah. Well, this has been great. Where can people find Dear Murray's columns? Dear Murray is on Facebook. Just search for Dear Murray and, and you should find them. All right. Very good. So search for Dear Murray on Facebook. Thank you so much, Jody, for joining us again today. You are very welcome. Good day to you both. Is your horse not drinking enough? Whether it's from weather changes, minor illnesses, trailer and traveling stress, there are many reasons you will have a horse refuse to drink sufficiently. Yet being fully hydrated is the first line of defense against minor issues becoming major. There is a product that helps even the pickiest of drinkers drink more, all-natural horse quencher. Listen to what four-in-hand champion Chester Weber has to say about it. Since I was introduced to Horse Quencher, I've been wildly impressed with its ability to keep the horses in the water buckets drinking, and it's given me real peace of mind. One often doesn't know they need a product until they're introduced to it, and this was a product I didn't I didn't know I needed at all, but due to the traveling that we, we do, it, uh, it's been really helpful. It's also been very helpful with horses that, you know, are a little colicky or something like that. We'll always hang in buckets um, in their stall, you know, they'll drink more, and their general health will just be better. Take it from Chester Weber. Horse Quencher is the all-natural product you want to help your horses drink as much as they should. Find it at your local feed store or tack shop or online at horsequencher.com. That's horsequencher.com. Well, before we get to our next guest, I just wanted to say we just had the commercial for Horse Quencher. That stuff really does work. Jennifer was uh, saying the other day that 
uh, Beaker was having trouble, or was not having trouble. He wasn't drinking as much as she thought he should after a ride, and you know he 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 is always that way. And she was just afraid his hydration wasn't great that day, and it was a little warmer here in Florida, so she put some of that in his bucket, and she said he runs over. He loves the stuff. He said. <laughs> He uh, he actually takes his lips and he swishes his lips around in the bucket and then drinks a little and then swishes. And she said he drinks it slowly, like to savor it like you would a good alcoholic beverage. Yeah. Um, and he does that when he drinks the horse quencher. So <clears throat> this stuff really, really does work for what it's meant to do. Uh, so check it out at horsequencher.com. If you have a horse that has a little trouble drinking or should be drinking more when you work with them or go away, or anybody that travels with their horses should have this in their trailer. Horse quencher. It's all natural, and it really does the trick. It's like candy for horses, uh, but, it, <laughs> but it, it helps keep them hydrated. Next up, we I saw an article, not an article, a post on Facebook by one of my Facebook friends. Her name is Jody Kelly. She's from also here in Florida, and she's a dressage professional, and she's been on the uh, dressage radio show a number of times. And uh, when I saw her post, I said, I have to have her on the show. She, uh, she grew up, and, and, and one of the things that Helene and I, I like to do is take a look beyond the horses sometimes with professional riders, because most of them have other lives with their families, and they have things that they do that we were, surpri- were surprised about. Well, in Jody's case, it is a life on the sea, and we're going to talk to her about that. She is a boat captain's daughter from Destin, Florida, professional rider Jody Kelly. Well, welcome to a new show for you, Jody. Welcome to the Stable Scoop Show. Thank you very much for having me. Well, now, Jody, you've been a regular and been on with uh, Reese and Philip over on the Dressage Radio Show, but tell us a little bit about your background and how you got into horses and why you ended up in dressage. Well, I am a dressage rider out of Destin, Florida, and I got into the horses because of my mom. She has ridden, she rode her whole life and rode growing up, and um, she drug me down that slippery slope from a very young age. <laughs> I had ponies growing up, and um, I actually started out doing a little bit of everything. I had a, I had fantastic ponies that, if there was a jumper show anywhere near, I was joking. If there was a hunter show, I did the hunters. If there was an eventing show, I, um, I did lower-level eventing, and the same with dressage. Um, and my mom was primarily a dressage rider. She did three-day for quite a while and then switched to mainly dressage, and I had some jumping trainers, and honestly, I I loved the jumping, and I always did combine it with the dressage, and I had this one particular jumping trainer that said, you can't keep going back and forth, it's, you know, too, it's too complicated, you have to pick one, and um, I haven't taken a jumping lesson since. (laughs) I thought, okay, fine, and um, I went the way of the dressage, which I don't think is what he was expecting. (laughs) <laughs> and um and I haven't looked okay, back. You're fired. I love it. <laughs> okay, you're right. Exactly. That's a little bit how it went. Um but um so I just I really jumped into the dressage head first and um the, as a result I met my, my trainer who is in Holland now who led me to be able to work with Anki van Grinsen in Holland, um, who is a multiple, multiple Olympic medalist and world champion and you name it, she's won it. And um, so I was very fortunate to grow up going to Holland every summer and work in her barn. And um, that just, I started going there when I was 11 and that just had me hooked for life. I started with Anki when you were 11? I did. I started going over there for the summers and I was fortunate with my trainer, Twanhoof, um, his family lives right there in that town, so I was able to live with them and kind of be the, a kid in their family, and he would drop me off at her farm every morning, and um, I was a working student at Anki's. 
Jody, um, you lived every little girl's dream. I did. I totally <laughs> did. And it was the best ever. You know, I really, I, I just have nothing but wonderful, wonderful memories, you know, and I, I understand. I, I don't totally speak Dutch, but I, I understand a lot of Dutch as a result of it. And it just, I, I wouldn't trade those summers for anything in the world. Do you realize that three quarters of our audience now hate you, Jody? You know that, right? <laughs> oh, that's <so> nice. <laughs> Hate's a harsh word, Glenn. No, I'm just it kidding. Is. I'm We're just not kidding. Jealous jealous hate. Be a little better. You might be a little jealous. jealous. Yeah, not hate. A little jealous. <laughs> well, no, not jealous. Envious. Envious. Green. Okay. Envious. Okay, envious is okay. Yes. And, is okay. and I totally see it. And it was one of those things that I literally just stumbled into it. You know, it was somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody. And it just was, was amazing. And it's it's it was a fantastic way to grow up going over there and then I still had all my horses here at home and worked the rest of the you know I was over there for a couple months in the summer and then I was home for the rest of the time well and one thing I do know Jody a little bit uh from from just having worked with you now and and following you on Facebook and everything and and Jody is very appreciative of everything that she has um and and uh I would say not a DQ so I'm gonna I'm gonna throw you in not the DQ category well I I try very hard not to, and at the end of my 12 and 14 hour days, I don't feel like a DQ. (laughs) And DQs around the world. (laughs) Well, Jody, now, one of the reasons we wanted to have you on today is occasionally here in the Stable Scoop show, we like to take a look past the horses because we all have other lives. Our families are, you know, as yours. Speak for yourself, horse husband. (laughs) Well, we have families, though, that really aren't into horses, and we, you know, might go do things with them and, and that kind of thing. And you, you did a post that really hit me, you know, emotionally. It hit you emotionally when you posted it. But I found it fascinating. You grew up not only with horses, but tell us what your dad did and tell us about the, the, the place you grew up. I grew up in Dustin, Florida, which is a very small town in the panhandle of Florida. It's like between Pensacola and Panama City. Um, it is a beach town. It is a fishing town, um, primarily. And it's our, there's a huge billboard as you come across the Dustin Bridge that says, Welcome to Dustin, world's luckiest fish, fishing village. And that's <laughs> truly, it, it truly is known around the world for its amazing fishing. And um, my dad is a charter boat captain. And he was born and raised in Dustin. He, um, He's one of, he's, we, the Kelly family, is one of the original founding uh, families of Destin. And so, I mean, he truly has grown up here on the top of what we call the top of the hill because the, uh, the, the land is a little higher and you go, like, down the hill to the water. So, like, he grew up on the hill. And um, it, over the years, of course, it's developed a lot and it's become um, quite the tourist place, which... We we it's a it's a double edged sword with that we we love our little quiet town but at the same time it's the tourists that make us thrive and make us what we are and you know and keep us all afloat um, but it just is it's an incredible town full of amazing fishermen and um, my mom moved here was here actually on vacation summer vacation one year um, many years ago uh, on her way to law school when she met my dad and. 30-something years ago, she hasn't left. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And it's just, it's a town that sucks you in, and it's a town that, for me, will always be home. I can't fathom living anywhere else. And growing up with the horses, um, there are no other barns in Destin. My parents had a very small barn next to their house um, in Destin, and we had a couple horses, and 
when I was starting to ride when I was little, people would call my mom all the time and ask her about, you know, if they, they could keep a horse there, if they could would rent horses, blah, blah, you know, the same thing. And, um, and she and my dad decided to open up this barn where we are now, which is also still in the heart of Destin. And, um, we have a 34 stall barn right here in the middle of Destin now. And, um, as I was growing up, I really feared that I would have to move away as I realized I was going to become a professional, that I'd have to move away and follow the, the typical circuit and go up north in the summertime and go down south in the wintertime and, you know, do the rotation that everybody does. And I just kind of gave it a shot here. And we've discovered that it's kind of one of those, if you build it, they will come regarding the horses. And, um, I, we've got a wonderful barn here and a wonderful, um, wonderful group of clients and it's and it's all just kind of worked so as a result I get to have my horses and then I have this whole other life with the boats that I really just can't fathom not having and my dad um, is the captain of a 65 foot sport fisherman um, mm-hmm. charter boat the relentless which he actually built in our backyard what? he um, really he has run three boats in his life the first one he re refinished when he got it young with his grandfather and then the next one was the charter boat Lady K that when I w- it went in the water when I was one. So I don't remember watching the whole thing, but that, that boat he also built in our backyard and he buys them as a hull, which is just basically, it looks, that boat was 56 feet. So it was like a 56 foot canoe when he got it and he built it from the bottom up and completely everything, you name it. He like did it inch by inch. And um, he ran that boat for almost 20 years or a little over 20 years. And then he built the Relentless, which is the one that I'm familiar with because I watched him, again, build that. He bought it as a 65-foot, again, canoe, just a fiberglass hull, and it has the bulkheads in it. And that's it. And he built it every inch of it with um, with some of the guys from, you know, his deckhands during the wintertime. So while he was running the Lady K, he built the Relentless. And um, and it was it was amazing to watch the whole process and not not your typical way to have a boat but um it is a beautiful beautiful boat and um something that i'm so proud of for him and just to you know that he built it and i was with him the day he put it in the water and when he towed it around to the harbor it just was like to hear the radio crackle like when everybody saw the boat come around under the bridge it was just it was amazing, you know. Everybody talking about his new boat and stuff. So, um, this is so um, yeah. So my dad's like, a true it, fisherman. <laughs> it sounds like you get a lot of your dedication to your work and the things that you love. Maybe, hmm, just wondering <laughs> that you yeah, might have inherited yeah, it from so. your family. There's a lot of work that goes into boating, and it is, like you said, it's there's a lot of work. Love. He leaves. He leaves his house, the house at five twenty every single morning. He's up at four fifteen. And, you know, and I, I'm pretty sure I can speak for him when I say he truly loves what he does, you know, and that's, that's something that I've been lucky enough to, to have as well. Like I, I've, and kind of like him, it's like I've worked every day of my life, but yet I don't feel like I've worked a day in my life just because when you love it, it's, it's not always work. You know, granted, some days I'm, I'm sure he thinks it's work when he's dragging himself out of bed in bad weather and whatever, you know, and I do too, but generally speaking, it's, I have really been lucky to get that from him and that whole follow your dreams attitude, you know, because it's a, it's a risky thing to do. The fishing business is very risky and the horse world is very risky. You know, I'm lucky to have a a barn full of horses right now and he's lucky to have a book that's, 
full of charters right now, but it could all be gone tomorrow. You know, if anybody, there's no guarantees in, in what either one of us do, but... Not to mention um, that Destin is right in the heart of many hurricanes over the last 10, you 15 got it. years. You <laughs> just... got it. We are right, and literally our barn is um, less than a mile from the water. Dustin, at its widest point, because we have the bay on the north side of us and the gulf is on the south yeah, side of us. Yeah, you're kind of a peninsula. We, exactly. Yeah. And then the end of Dustin um, is to the west of us. There's like, That's where the, big, the Dustin Pass is. So the only land that is connected is east of us. And, um, and it's not large, and the water has washed. <laughs> it doesn't wash completely over Dustin, but we've come darn close. Um, but we have a, a very, very strict um, hurricane plan. My mom is a condo manager, also on the Gulf. Um, so we have this plan that when we put it, you know, it all sits there quietly during hurricane season until we make the move to go. And um, my dad has a plan for his boats. They move all the boats from the Dustin Harbor around to the, the bay side into the bayous. So we watch the weather channel like a hawk, and it's like you sit there and do nothing, do nothing, do nothing, and then when you make the decision, it's like all, every, I'm not going to say, <laughs> everything breaks loose, and it's wild. Um, but we, Do you move um, all the horses out? Yes. So I'm in charge of getting the horses rolling, but we have it like down to, we know which leg wrap is going to go on each horse. Like we have which horse is going to go in which trailer, which truck is going to put which trailer, who's going to drive it, which buck is going which trailer, and you know, and it's it's big enough to, to load 30 horses, but you imagine you load 30 horses with each horse goes three buckets, two bales of hay, five bags of shavings. Like, that's the minimum. And that's what every every truck and trailer leaves here with the buckets and the hay and um, the shavings for the horse that it's hauling. And we I have a barn in Mariana. I'm sorry? I love that you have it memorized. It's like, right oh man, it's, it's been in my, I mean, it's been etched in my brain since the time from, for as long as I can remember. Now I'm just kind of more in charge of the horses. My mom goes, so when we do have this, like put it into place, my dad goes straight to the boats to start moving all the boats around. Cause that's a really, really intricate thing. Cause you not only have to move your own boat, but all the boats have to be tied in a certain way that when the wind shifts, because the way the hurricanes come across, the wind blows, it blows out of the one direction first. And then as the eye moves over, the wind shifts. So they come from the completely opposite direction. So the boats always have to face into the wind. So the way that you tie them, they all swing around so that they're always headed into the wind. So it's a really intricate way of tying all the boats up so that when the wind shifts, that they don't all swing and hit each other and destroy all the boats. So it's a really important thing that not only your boat is tied correctly, but every other boat in the bayou so that they all are safe. Yeah, I guess Um, if you have one that's loose, you're in trouble. Exactly. One loose boat could take out the entire fleet. Um, So so Dad goes and does that. My mom gets her condo all closed up and does that. I get the horses all, you know, in in motion. And then... um, My parents usually lock up, and then I take off with the horses, and they finish up with the boats, with the condos, and they come back to the barn and get any loose ends, and they lock up all the houses, all the everything, all the extra animals that have to come, and they usually bring up the rear with the whole whole plan. So it it is definitely quite... um, quite an orchestra of, of events, but it, you know, we, it's, we've done it before. We can do it again. We don't love to do it, but it's, it, we, we, we got it. It's worth it. It's worth it to live here. That kind of, that kind of fluster and that, um, panic and that, you know, it's actually not a panic because we do it. We leave it well enough in advance, but that kind of worry is worth it to live where we live, you know? And, um, 
Tell us a little bit about, you know, we have a horse, com- the horse community is an interesting community and, and we tend to mm-hmm. help each other out because there's, you know, you have to. Um, right. And, you know, we all try and do that the best we can. Now, I would say some disciplines are better at that than others, but um, is I know it's that way also with the fishing community, isn't it? It is. It really is. And, you know, and the thing is, you, it's kind of one of those things that everybody has their own schedule. It's very much like the horse community. Like, everybody does their own thing and has their own schedule and um, is on their own path until they need something. And it's amazing. And, and sometimes it takes something like a tragedy to realize how unified they really are, just like the horse world. And um, and just recently, what, um, what the thing that you saw on Facebook that really, really touched me beyond belief was um, last Thursday, we had... Um, we have the blessing of the fleet. It's called every single year. And um, Dustin has what we call the week of blessings and they bless the, um, the marketplace and uh, several different blessings throughout the community all week. But Ascension Thursday is always the blessing of the fleet. And what they do is all the pastors in Dustin are invited to this one church that's just at the top of the hill. And um, I've actually never seen this part of it because I'm always down on the boat. But all of the pastors from all of the churches are invited, and a large number of them come. And they actually hold a church service um, Thursday afternoon. And I believe they have a big fish fry up there as well. Again, I've never been on that end of it because I'm always on a boat. But then after the service, they all come together and walk down the hill out to one of the longest docks in Destin that like comes out into the harbor. And um, it's really cool. It's a big ceremony, and it's a very, um, very neat thing to watch. You know, they're all in their robes, and they come down, um, and, and usually they sing and all that kind of stuff. And um, then the, the boats, the charter boats in Destin, it's all boats. It's not so much just charter boats anymore, but it's all boats that make their living on the water. Um, so, you know, and with it being a tourist town, there's all different types of boats. But each boat gets blessed individually. So we all line up through the harbor. And as you pass by, we back up to where all the pastors are. And um, they say a blessing for your boat and your crew and your captain and your your fishing season that's that's to come because our big season is the summertime. And um, it's just one of those very traditional things. I'm almost 30 years old, and I have never once missed the blessing of the fleet. It's just what you do. You plan you plan your spring around it. You, I make sure that my show schedule, my clinic schedule, my horse schedule never is interrupted by the blessing of the fleet. Like, it's just something that we all reminds Absolutely me don't miss every year it reminds me um, Helena, of the blessing of the hounds when you're a fox hunter you never miss right. the, you always exactly. go to the blessing of the hounds you, it. you just don't miss it. About it yeah it's because it really exactly important part of your life you you count on that blessing man you it count is. on you it you do you count on it you absolutely count on it and the first year a boat goes through the blessing like and i was fortunate enough to be on the relentless the first year yeah, the very first year is blessed. They actually come aboard and nail a cross onto your boat. It's like every boat that goes huh. through the blessing has the cross that they, you know, that they put on. And I mean, and I'm telling you, these fishermen, they they count on it, they rely on it, and that's what they go through their season relying on, you know. Um, but so this year, and this year was one of the biggest ones ever. It was amazing. The whole harbor was full. We, my dad estimated probably close to 150 boats were blessed um, wow. last Thursday. But then what made this one, and it's always a very, very special event, and it's always very meaningful to everybody. But this year it was extra special because we had one of the fishermen, one of the local fishermen um, who's been in this town. Um, his brother actually said that he's known my dad for over 44 years. Um, but he passed away 
several weeks ago. It was a few weeks before the, the blessing of the fleet. And he was just an old, he was one of those old-timey fishermen. He'd been around forever. Um, he actually had, he wasn't a captain. He didn't have his own boat. But he, throughout his life, he had worked on almost every boat. And his family is very well known. They all work on the boats um, throughout the fleet. And all the captains know them. And my dad's, my dad always says these guys, that the Martin family, that they can catch a fish out of a mud puddle. <laughs> They're just those kind of fishermen. They're just great, great guys. Um, and one of the brothers passed away, and they held a big, um, almost like a party. They did a celebration of his life up on, you know, again, what is it called, the hill, which is under this big oak tree, and it's just kind of the place. Now it's part of a parking lot of a condo, but for all the locals, it's the hill. Um, but we had a big fish fry, and um, they had a, a thing for him, and um, we... We're talking about what we were going to do with his ashes, and my mom was talking to his sister, and my mom said, why don't we spread his ashes during the blessing of the fleet? You know, because then the boats will all be out there, and it's kind of a, they can say a prayer and do the whole thing. So from there, the idea went, and my dad had a sign-up sheet up in the, the co-op, like where they all get their fuel and their ice and all that stuff, and, and a couple of boats had signed up to come up. And the way the Destin Harbor is, it's, you have the harbor, and you have to you run along the land, and then there's a point that you go around that leads to the pass, which takes you out into the Gulf. And it's like it's only, it's very small, which is it only is like a five minute run out to the Gulf, which is kind of what makes Destin so famous. Usually, there's a pretty long run to get out to the Gulf from the protected um, harbor. But we were my dad had asked a few of the boats if they would go out into the pass and wait for us and like, you know, kind of go out with us to dump his ashes. So we had the Martin family on our boat and um, we were one of the last ones to get blessed. And they had all been talking about it on the radio and you know, that, that, that radio crackle where they're all just chatting and you go upstairs where my dad is on the boat any time of the day. And there, you can just hear all the fishermen, you know, talking over top of each other and chattering away. And so they, my dad was thinking we would have like four or five boats like on each side of the pass and they would follow us out and, you know, kind of do this nice little ceremony. When we came around the point, there were at least 40, maybe 50 boats that were all out in the pass waiting for us with Charlie's ashes and they were all facing north, which was, which faces the Destin Bridge. And it was like this most beautiful perfect night all the boats were facing the same way you know and it kind of goes back to that like if you imagine at a horse show where all everybody's doing their own thing everybody's you know it's it's normal for the harbor in the past to be very busy but again everybody's on their own schedule the boats are all going different directions different speeds that have different agendas but they were all stopped they were all sitting idle they were all facing north and they were all it was just this calm i have goosebumps talking about it (laughs) it was just this unbelievable calm and unity that that you can't describe i mean you can't and i have a thousand pictures of it and not one of them really does it justice for what it really means you know so we came um around the point and went down and the, the boat split like as we went down the middle headed south towards the gulf and as we passed each boat you know they're like blowing their horns and they're whistling and they're yelling for charlie whose ashes we were spreading and they all turned around as we passed them they turned around and followed us out so we went down the pass and we i mean we stopped counting at over 30 that actually turned around and followed us all the way out. And that was just because you couldn't, like the boats went back as far as you could see. And we just couldn't How see the, the little family, spots anymore. Boy, they must have been, the family must have been an emotional wreck. <laughs> oh my gosh. 
yes, there wasn't a dry eye on our boat. It was truly the coolest thing. I, I, I said to my mom, I think that's one of the coolest things I've ever seen in the Destin Harbor. And she said, I'm pretty sure that was the coolest thing I've ever seen. And she's been here a lot longer than I have. And it was just this perfect moment, this perfect, you know, in the moment that I, we came around the point and they were all there, it just was the neatest. Like again, like you can't words can't describe it, and pictures don't do it justice. But it was just one of the coolest moments that I, and just really tells you who the who the Destin fishermen really are. You know, you you take out the tourists because it was there. You know, you don't usually have you don't charter the boat for the blessing. It's all of their right. families. You take out the tourists. You take out the business part of it. You take out the fishing, and it's just them. It's just these great guys that were that are here and just amazing. It was just cool. It was just really, really neat. And um, so they went all the way out. We went out to the jetties, um, just past the jetties, to where we got in the Gulf. And they all followed us. And so, like, it filled almost the entire path as we were going out because they were, you know, you have to keep a different space between everybody while they're running. And then when we got out there, we stopped and waited for them. And they all crowded around us before we spread the ashes. And we were, it was literally like boat to boat. You almost could have walked from boat to boat. (laughs) It was that. We were all packed in. And everybody was around. And my dad's got these really loud speakers on his boat and so we played um i'll fly away and um they spread charlie's ashes and um his wetsuit um because he was a big diver his whole dive suit went down with him and um and then as soon as they did that the music was playing and then all the boats you know like the boat horns are really loud and like all the captains like lay on their horns for a minute or so and it just was it was really just one of the coolest things and just made me so proud of my town and so proud of all these guys. And um, it's something that I'll never forget. And it's just one of the many reasons that I will always live here, you know, and well, and it's just this I'll, will always be home. <laughs> I'll tell you what, you have you have both of us in tears here. Um, yeah, this is one of the <laughs> nicest stories that we've ever had, I think, on Stable Scoop. It, it was, I mean, it really was. It was just the coolest coolest thing I, I really i can't say enough about how special the whole thing was you know well jody and, um, i gotta tell you you paint a wonderful picture you're a, you're a great storyteller and that probably comes <laughs> from that probably comes from being a, a captain's daughter too that's right the fish are 12 feet long exactly um, <laughs> just like my horse goes eat does a 10 for pee off all day long. <laughs> <laughs> well, my horse never does that. <laughs> well, Jody, yeah. where can people find you? Where, where You have a website. People right? can find me at jodykellydressage.com. And anybody that wants to fish, it's relentlesscharterfishing.com is my dad's boat. And um, we have a lot of tourists. That's the other thing with our barn. We have, um, we have a 30-stall main barn, and then we actually have a four-stall guest barn where I have a lot of people that come on vacation here because, this is again, it's just people come to the beach, they bring their families, and um, a lot of the time the argument is the daughter, the son, the it's not many husbands, but usually the mothers or the daughters don't want to leave their horses home. So we built this guest barn, and we have a lot of people that come for vacation. The <laughs> You know, the kids or the moms come ride their horses first thing in the morning before the rest of the family wakes up, and then they go to spend the rest of the day at the beach, or they go fishing, or they golf, or whatever. So. Um, well, we do a great. lot of that. <laughs> that is great. Well, thank you, Jody. This has been wonderful. You, you, as I said, you're a great storyteller, and we, we are so glad that you came on to share it. Absolutely. I'm happy to. Thank you so much. 
This Nutrition Minute is brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products, the company that simplifies your search for research-proven nutritional supplements at kppusa.com. Spring is here, and so are pastures full of luscious green grass. Spring grass is high in vitamins, minerals, and sugar. Most horses have little problem adjusting to the changing sugar levels found in spring pasture, but for at-risk horses, grazing on sugary grass can lead to big problems such as colic or laminitis. By paying attention to daily temperatures and following a couple of simple rules, you can limit your horse's access to such sugar-laden grasses. In the spring and fall of the year, limit grazing or stop it completely when daytime temperatures are warm and nighttime temperatures are below 40 degrees Fahrenheit. Under these conditions, the grass produces sugar during the day and it stores it in its leaves. At night, the plant transfers the stored up sugars to the roots and stems to fuel the growth. If the evening temperatures are cold, the grass will not make that transfer and all of the sugar will remain in the leaves where it is readily available to your horse. In the summer when days are sunny and nights are warm, it is safe to allow grazing in the early morning hours, but it should be restricted late in the afternoon or evening. This is because most of the sugar that was produced the previous day has been used for growth overnight. Therefore, the level of sugar in the leaves is low in the morning. But as the day progresses, the grass once again accumulates sugar in its leaves in preparation for nighttime growth. So later in the day, the more sugar-packed leaves become. Because grass is a great source of essential vitamin E, horses that are restricted from grazing, especially easy keepers and horses in hard work, may develop vitamin E deficiencies. Lack of vitamin E can result in sore, stiff muscles and neurological problems. Elevate Maintenance Powder from Kentucky Performance Products is an affordable way to provide your horse with the vitamin E missing from his diet. Each scoop provides 1,000 international units of natural vitamin E, and natural vitamin E is absorbed and retained in the tissues at a much greater rate than the synthetic vitamin E found in many feeds and supplements. Best of all, when you choose a Kentucky Performance Product Supplement, you get a 100% satisfaction guarantee. This Nutritional Minute has been brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products. You can find all of their terrific products at kppusa.com. Today's Hack and Habits segment is really exciting for me because this is a book that I love. I actually bought it from my trainer over Christmas time. And we're going to be talking to, well, somebody's going to be talking. Clearly, I can't. (laughs) Uh, We're going to be talking to Dr. Renee Tucker, who is the author of Where Does My Horse Hurt? It's a hands-on guide to evaluating pain and dysfunction using chiropractic methods. So here we have Dr. Renee Tucker. Well, hi, Dr. Tucker, and welcome to the show. Well, good morning there. Thanks for inviting me. Well, now, I, you know, we're having you on, as we said, because uh, I have right in front of me one of my favorite uh, health books for the horse world, I think, is Where Does My Horse Hurt? A Hands-On Guide to Evaluating Pain and Dysfunction Using Chiropractic Methods. 
I love this book, Dr. Tucker. First of all, tell us a little bit about yourself. Have you been a horse person? Were you a horse person before a, before a doctor? Uh, yeah, kind of strangely enough. Um, I grew up in Chicago, and um, I have a lot of relatives. My dad's one of 12. My mom's one of 14. So I have a lot Holy of relatives. <laughs> I am, yeah, yeah. I'm the only person in my whole giant extended family who likes horses. And I grew up wow. in Chicago without a horse. So crazy. I just, uh, you know, saved up my babysitting money and got a horseback riding lessons every week and read every horse book in the library and ended up a horse veterinarian. So just one <laughs> we, of those need, we need to have her back You're on be a career person. day. Yeah, career day. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, that didn't work out, yeah. How do you, yeah, so that's how, how I got into horses. I just had the horse bug and it never left. You must have a thousand cousins. I was just thinking of all those aunts and uncles. So. You I'm... must have a thousand cousins. It's like right. I know. I don't even know who they all are. I've I never bet. met half of them at least. Yeah. Well, now, how did this book come about, and why did it come about? Well, gosh. Okay, so I've been working just as a equine chiropractic and acupuncturist for the last thirteen years. So I graduated from vet school in uh, nineteen ninety-five, which is like a lifetime ago. But um, anyways. I kept, as I was working on chiropractic and acupuncture, I kept running into people where they're like, oh my gosh, if only I had known this. And if I can tell you one of my favorite stories, if you don't mind. Sure. Uh, it's a good example. There was this uh, 17 and a half hand warm blood horse named Doolin. And uh, I, I get out of the car and this owner, uh, Jill, she says, um, well, listen, if you can't fix him, we're going to have to put him down. Like, no pressure. Yeah, you're right now, right? <laughs> yeah. And the trainer comes up and like, well, if you can't fix them. We're burning them down. I'm like, oh, this is crazy. <laughs> Anyways, apparently Whatever you had wants to hear. It's all up to you, Doc. <laughs> yeah, totally. Like, okay, pressure. They had, uh, his guy was lame, okay, for, uh, at the trot for only about the first 10 minutes of warm-up. He's dead lame, a dead lame. And then he warms out of it. Okay, and then it's the, the even weirder thing is he'll do it on either front foot huh. and be dead lame. And she's taken to the university. She's got x-rays, ultrasound. She's got nuclear scintigraphy scans. She's done the whole thing and upwards of $10,000 she spent on this horse. And so the short story is uh, the horse ended up having ribs that were subluxated right behind his shoulder blades, and he just had... Yeah, I don't see anyone's had ribs out in the audience, but I mean, those can really hurt, okay. And then you put the saddle on and girth it up, and it hurts even more. But you kind of get used to the pressure, and, you know, 10 minutes, and then he would get comfortable. And that, let's face it, the horse was a sissy, all right? He's just a wimp. But that's what was wrong with him. I adjusted his ribs, and he never did it again. And that was the first encounter of, oh, my gosh, people need to know this, because it's just not that hard to check a horse. It's a little more tricky to fix it. But the book is about how you can check your own horse and find out if there's anything like that bothering him. It's the, oh, my God, I can fix this. Like, that is that is right there. That, that could take up a, a person's entire horse life. Oh, my God, I can fix this. Because you can yeah. waste so much time and so much energy that you could otherwise be put into training and enjoying your horse. But so it's just that idea that if something is wrong, it's not so intimidating. So it's like, where do you start? Mm -hmm. And a lot of people think I need to call my 
Right. That, and they're thinking medication, they're thinking needles, they're thinking x-rays. But you're saying, right. let's just put our hands on our horse first. Yeah. Okay. Totally. Okay. And same with not on the vet, but do you call the... You call your trainer or one of your many trainers or, you know, of course, ask all your friends and you'll get 20,000 opinions and then maybe you need a new saddle. Maybe you need that's another, just, that's you just know. asking two friends. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. Two friends, 20,000 opinions. <laughs> Good opinions multiply. Well, one of the things right. I really like about this book is 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 you break it down very simply and, and you you took the time to do charts and graphs and and by the way, can we give a shout out to the person who did the illustrations in this book are excellent. Oh yeah. She's awesome. Who yeah. is it? Uh, I can't... She's a vet tech actually. Uh Patty Cap, she's a vet tech in Washington and she um she actually had Okay, she has some, you know, horse bones, some horse skeletons laying around because she's a vet tech. So hope that doesn't gross anybody out. But she would sit, actually, the bones on her table, and she's an artist, and draw these bones for me. It was amazing. Well, so, you know, I know, Helena, you've, you you know, you have this book, and uh, the uh, diagrams are just, I mean, her drawings are excellent. I've, I've been very impressed. Yeah. That's some of the my best favorite I've part. Seen. Well, yeah. you know what it is? It's, and, and it's the good use of, I mean, this is really good editing, too. It's the combination of diagrams that support the text i mean so when you're trying to explain a point it just clearly so clearly illustrated with the diagrams and you you know the the diagrams are just well done it's just it's good good artistry i don't want people to freak out when they hear charts and diagrams too because that kind of freaks me out but it's not hard it's all meant to be really really simplified it's very friendly uh, so that everybody can do it yeah 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 very friendly well, and then there's a ton of pictures to back it up too. When you when you talk about how to test for this or that, you're showing it in pictures. It really is right. a well written, simple. You know, I don't mean simple in a bad way. I mean simple in a good right, way. Right. Book. You know, it's right. it's a horse husband approved book. Yeah, it's a horse. Husband. <laughs> wow. As well as a that's horse awesome. person's approved book. So that's you know those things don't always come together. No, They're not they always don't. in the same world. Right. They don't even come together in marriage most of the time. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, I want to ask you about uh, one of the things that's featured that you have featured in here is um, well that you mentioned is the activator for horses, uh-huh. and I happen to be a huge fan of the activator for people. I've had both mm-hmm. like manual adjustments and activator and i absolutely love the activator um which it's like a pneumatic hammer type of thing majiggy it's a thingamajiggy that chiropractors use (laughs) (laughs) and that's a good word maybe dr tucker can explain it better (laughs) (laughs) well i can try really briefly um because you know um adjusting is about force and force is mass times acceleration so how's that for a physics flashback? So, so you can use less force, and you know, don't have to be a big giant person. And when you use those activators, there's a little, like kind of like a gun, a fake gun that shoots some little thing out there, and makes a clicking sound. But it's going so fast that you need uh, less pressure, and it just clicks on you, and it doesn't really, it doesn't hurt at all. Um, and it it can perform adjustments, and it does work really good on people. Uh, the thing with horses, it can work good on some horse um, parts, but other parts, there's just way too much mass, too much muscle in between what you're trying to reach and that activator. So I've had actual um, human chiropractors who do use activators tell me that activators don't work near as well on a horse. I know some people use them, and as I said, some parts will work well, but not all of them. 
Okay. I'm still going to use one on my horse. <laughs> well, you know why? Because like one of the things that I do when, whenever I, um, tack up and Glenn, I actually learned this from Jennifer and it's has, it might have more to do with muscles, but I think it also has to do with just helping them prepare their spine, um, for riding is I, as soon as I girth up, I don't girth all the way, all the way up, but probably about halfway up. And then I'll lift their front leg to sort of stretch and it pulls the skin out from underneath. And, but I just find that they're, they're freer and a little bit more comfortable in those first 10 minutes of warm up. If I stretch, if I lift and stretch the front legs, um, where, what does this have to do with the activator? Probably nothing. But then again, that's just, me. <laughs> that's just the way I roll. Um, but no. So the other thing I, that I love, I mean, my horses have their own chiropractor because it, I've, awesome. you, you do it once and you realize how much comfort you can bring to your, right. your horse. You'll never, right. you'll never not have a chiropractor look at him again. Um, but one of the things I found is, is just turnout is having my, my horse is having enough room yeah. to buck and gallop and roll. So they, they sort of self adjust. Do you find that that's really important to spine health or am I just oh, wishful yeah, thinking? No, that's not you. It's totally true. In fact, I can tell the difference on a horse um, who's mostly stalled and one who's mostly turned out just by how free uh, his joints are, how flexible and easy they move. I, I mean, you could bring your horse randomly and I could tell you if they're stalled or not. Wow. It makes a big difference. Just because moving around, it just moves that joint fluid because, you know, joint fluid has to be flushed out and so that new joint fluid can come in on every single joint. So if they're just standing around a stall or they're just standing, um, you know, in a little turnout, just not moving, then that joint fluid doesn't get turned over. And so it just gets stiffer and stiffer. It's kind of sad. So, yeah, they all need turnout if they can do it all possible. Well, one of the things I really liked in the book was at the very end, the appendix is actually the, the flow charts that you have in here. Mm-hmm. I've, I've never seen it presented quite that way before where it'll take, uh, you know, as the horse short striding uh, at a trot and it, it actually goes through uh, what you should do, you know, what you should do in relation and which page of the book you'll find it on. So it, it's like, check this. And what was the answer? Yes or no. And then it goes, well, if it was no, check this. Um, it really is. Yeah. It really is intuitive uh, the way it's laid out here. Yeah, I love those flow charts. Yeah, I thought yeah. those were really helpful. I couldn't believe they put them in the back, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that's just how my brain works. I, I I read a lot and I synthesize information to the simplest possible thing. Then I can't remember why I made that decision. <laughs> Tell you, this is the way it works. You should probably edit that. What's the, what's the, what is the, uh, are you kidding? Our flaws are in here. Yours might as well be too. Hey, uh, what is the one thing in the book that you would, that you would say is something that you should, it's the most common thing you see, or it's something that we should be checking, uh, you know, with our horses on a weekly basis. What is that one thing that you would, it would jumps out at you? Hmm. That is a tough one. Okay. Um, sometimes it looks a little, maybe a little bit overwhelming because there's 27 body checkups, as I call them. But when you take out the leg joints, um, there's only 12. Um, hopefully that's not too intimidating. But, you know, once you learn all these, uh, even just the 12, you can go through your horse in, in under two minutes and do these. Oh, once really? You get the hang of it. Yeah, it's fast. I mean, you just say, oh, yeah, you're in the right place. Yep, check. Got that done. Um, 
if you only picked one or two, uh, and really the atlas or the pole, people call it, uh, that, the atlas and the sacrum, so the head and the butt, are the two points of the body where the spinal cord is really tied in. Um, they're basically the anchor points. So if those anchor points are off, then slowly but surely other things will unravel for you. So if you could only do the atlas and the sacrum, that'd be simple. That would take you 30 seconds. Okay. And certainly with checking any time you have a problem, any time you think, huh, my horse is just not going forward or, you know, why is my horse acting funny? And just check his head. Maybe his head's crooked. That'll be easy. I should do that for myself. <laughs> <laughs> Where do people buy the book? That's hilarious. <laughs> um, you can buy it wherever. I had so much to come back with that one, too, and I just left it alone. <laughs> I just left it ride. I was like, okay, I don't need to get more trouble today. That's because that's you're off the sugar now. That's right. <laughs> oh, that's great. Dr. Oh Tucker, where can people yeah, buy Yeah, you can it? buy it anywhere. You can buy it Amazon. You can buy it at uh, any horse bookstores. They're trying to get them everywhere, so, yeah. And I've seen it at attack shops locally here, too. So it's called uh, Where Does My Horse Hurt? A Hands-On Guide to Evaluating Pain and Dysfunction Using Chiropractic Methods by Dr. Renee Tucker. And that's R-E-N-E-E. So if you want to look that up online. Well, we appreciate you being on. I think it's a great book. It's, it, as I said, it's, uh, it looks like it's horse husband and horse person approved. <laughs> Thank you very much. Two you thumbs guys up. appreciate it. All right. Thanks, Thanks Dr. Dr. Tucker. Wow, what a fun show today, Helena. We had some great guests. We didn't have to do much work. They were chatty ones, and we love that. No kidding. We like that uh, <laughs> someone else driving. It's thing. like, you know, when we get the guests that give us yes or no answers, it makes our, our job much tougher today. We could just sit back and listen to some great storytellers. Yeah. Yeah. Well, a fisherman's daughter, a horsewoman, <laughs> yes. a, veterinarian, a veterinarian. That's right. A writer. <laughs> I really did like Jody's stories. I could listen to her all day. And, you know, uh, you can tell. I, I love when we, you know, when we have guests that are truly, truly passionate. In Jody's case, it was about her town and her family. But, you know, she was so passionate. It just comes across, doesn't it? It jumps out of the radio at you. Yeah. Yeah. And, and yep. she definitely did. Jody's, Jody's obviously welcome to come back anytime. Now I want to go to Destin. She's like the one-woman uh, tourist bureau for Destin, Florida. One woman tourist here. She's pretty good, man. Yeah. She likes where she lives. Yeah. And, you know, it's what she'd say about five hours from us. So I guess we're going to have to go play a place of place a visit here one of these weekends. That's a three day weekend. Yeah. yeah you can yeah, do it. We can do that. Sure. Very good. And Jennifer can bring her horse along. Yes, she can. <laughs> it's a long trip for Beaker, but yeah. whatever. You know, don't be all right. It's true. Well, that's it. We've run out of time for this week. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. Don't forget, you can find all of the show notes for today's show at StableScoop.com, including all the links to our guests. And you can find all of the other shows on the Horse Radio Network at HorseRadioNetwork.com. I did want to remind everybody to listen on iTunes. You just go to iTunes, the podcast section, and search for StableScoop. And it'll pop up. You just hit the subscribe button, and you could you can have it automatically downloaded to your iPhone or your iPod every single week. Did nice. I miss anything, Jen? Uh, oh, you want to give out our, our Jen? You're gonna call me Jen? Jen. Yeah. Jennifer, <laughs> yeah, really? Uh, Helena, did I miss anything? Uh, you email probably address. did, but you, you probably did. But you know, uh, email address. Yes, you can. Um, well, you can if you want to write to Glenn. You can email him at Glenn at horseradionetwork.com. That is your email address, isn't it? Yes. 
to it. I don't even pay attention anymore. Or you can send me feedback. Just tell me you love me. And you can send that to Helena at horseradionetwork.com. And what else? You can follow us on Facebook. You said that already under Stable Scoop. You gave us their, our Twitter ID, Twitter right? Twitter is Horse, Horse Radio. Radio. Yep. Horse Radio. Yep. I think that's, that's all that we got. It. Right? That's, that's it. about it. All right. Well, then until next week. Until next week. Um, Happy No, no, Glenn, everybody. you're supposed to say, that's it for this week. Oh. Well, Helena, that's it for this week. Well, that's plenty, Glenn. Until then. No, wait, crap. Until next week. Wait, how does it go again? We've well, only Glenn, done this 380 times. that's plenty, but there will be more next week. Happy Until scooping. then, okay. happy scooping. <laughs> Thank you.